Amen. Say amen if that blessed you this morning. I was uh, just singing this morning and uh, appreciating the ministry of music in our church here. And I don't know about you, but it's something very special. Uh, the, the Bible says that God inhabits the praise of his people. And I had tried for many years to find a CD of hymns and music that we sing at church uh, that gives you the same uh, joy of being in a church service and singing the songs that we sing here, and I could never find it. And I don't think I ever will find it because I think there's something special about what God does in a, in a church setting like this with his people playing music, singing unto him with your heart and uh, praising him uh, in spirit and in truth. And I just say that to say that it's something special that we have. And uh, I appreciate the people that put a lot of time and effort and sacrifice into our music ministry because it really does bless us. And uh, we are beneficiaries of that and God's glorified and he's pleased with that. So that's not the message this morning. That's just for free. So I hope that that makes sense. hope you appreciate that. Um, Our pastor, Pastor Lloyd and his wife Cassie and, and their family are away at the moment. So... Uh, ask that you would please pr- pray for them, pray that they have a, a good break and uh, a restful time uh, away. And if you are visiting with us, thank you, but please come back to hear Pastor Lloyd because he's much better than I am, and uh, I appreciate that. But turn to Genesis chapter 2 in your Bibles, if you would, and we'll have a look at something here this morning. I thank Brother Glenn for reading uh, those verses in Genesis, and it's good to read about the creation, good to read about what God has done for us. And I want to pull out some things here that the Lord really has impressed upon my heart recently, uh, something that is uh, quite a big need for us to do uh, as Christians, but just as people in, in general. And um, <clears throat> I apologise, my voice is, is slowly dying. Please don't slowly die as I slowly die. Uh, but Genesis chapter 2, I might just have a word of prayer and then we'll have a look at uh, some things here this morning. So just bow your heads with me and we'll have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we do thank you uh, that you are God. Thank you, Lord, that uh, there is a purpose and there is a meaning to this thing that we are celebrating now, Christmas, and uh, the things that we've been able to sing this morning that just remind us of what you have done for us. And they remind us, Lord, of who you are and uh, who you've called us to be. And uh, we thank you, Father, for putting all of these things in place. Thank you for your sacrifice for us. Thank you, Father, that we can celebrate things such as this and tell the world about it. And our Lord, uh, even as I mentioned earlier, I thank you for the ministry of this church here, the music and the song and, and everyone involved in that, Lord. I thank you that we get to sing unto you. Uh, it is a privilege for us to serve you in this way and worship you, Lord. And I just do pray that you would help us to continue to do that in spirit and in truth. I pray, Father, that you please be with our pastor and his family as he takes a break. Uh, but Lord, we thank you for the gift that he is to this church And I do pray that you would refresh them, revive them, Lord God. Strengthen them, please, Father. We need them. And uh, we just thank you for giving them to us. Uh, Lord, I do pray that you would be with us this morning. I thank you for each one that's here, each one that is attentive and listening, Lord. I pray that you would please be pleased with everything that is said this morning, everything that takes place from here on in, Lord. And uh, Father, we ask that you'd be glorified. And we ask that each one would be helped here today, Lord. And we thank you for who you are. Thank you for your word that we can learn from. And we ask that you would bless this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm appreciative of my mum being here this morning. She just got a fright. Uh, She's not always here. She has another church that she goes to, but I appreciate her being here this morning. Uh, And I say that because 
My mum is good at lots and lots of things that I'm not good at. And one of those things is gardening. One of those things is looking after plants and flowers and all that kind of stuff. And I think she got that from her mum, my grandma, and even on my dad's side, um, my nana, she was very good with flowers and had nice, had nice um, uh, garden beds and all that kind of thing. But that didn't really get passed down to me. And I don't think it really got passed down to many of us in our family. And you probably heard pastor say it many times before that, you know, plants go to his yard to die. Well, if plants go to his yard to die, then they go to, to my yard to go to hell. Because <laughs> it's like the next level of badness. Um, I don't look after plants very well at all. I grow weeds very well. That's about it. Um, but mum, she takes care. She understands what each flower, what each plant needs, the different kind of you know, mulch and how much this one needs to be watered and whether this one needs to be put in the shade or you know, all these sorts of things. And that just kind of goes over the top of my head. So when she goes away and she's like, hey, can you and Nicole like, look after the plants, you know, water them? Like, Do you want to choose somebody else? Because they probably won't be there when you get back. But she understands the importance of all those different factors. And... Uh, I guess I want to ask you the question this morning that if your garden bed, if your yard was a representation of the relationships in your life, what would they look like? What would each plant in your garden bed of relationships look like? Because I know in mine, some of them are a bit wilted. Some of my relationships need a little bit more work than others. Some of my relationships need a little bit more mulch and caring and maybe a little bit more compassion. So some are are probably growing well in some areas and some are not growing well in other areas. I know that in, in my garden bed of relationships, there's this one that does really well. It's very well looked after and it's called self. Maybe that's the same for you. But there's lots of relationships that God has placed in your life. He's placed purposefully in your life. And so if he's placed them there, then he wants us to look after them. He wants us to take care of them, just like my mum takes care of all those different ones in her garden. So what do your plans of relationships look like in your garden bed? Because the thing I've found with relationships and plants is it's not a matter of set and forget. It's not a matter of put a little work into it and then I don't have to think about it anymore. Relationships require work. They need work. I know when I got married or when I was about to get married, I was thinking, you know, there's probably some different things that need to be worked on here between Nicole and I and different things like that. But when I get married, it's kind of like all just going to sort itself out. (laughs) And I don't know if anyone else has kind of had that thought or may not be marriage, just some kind of relationship, you know, when this thing happens, then it's just all fine, I don't have to worry about it anymore. And I, I really thought that, I really thought that, you know, you just get married and things just work, things just happen. Well, it, it doesn't, it requires work. Just like any relationship in your life, it requires work, it requires effort, it requires you to put something into it. And we read, we read in Genesis here about how God put in work, God put in effort to create this whole world that we have, to create you and I and to create the people around us that we have relationships with. So there's much work and effort put in. And like I said, relationships are not set set and forget, like set the settings and then just walk away because people change, don't they? I mean, 
I have many relationships in my life, just like you do. I can change, which then changes the relationship. People go forwards in, in their Christian walk or just in, in general life, and people also go backwards. People stay, take steps backwards, fumble, fail, whatever it is. So things are changing all the time. It might be the time of year like right now where your, your focus is a little bit different or somebody's focus has changed because they're thinking about the start of the next year and you know, all different things are, are changing, whereas if you talk to them in June, July, it might have been a little bit different. So focuses, stresses change, interests change, people grow out of things and grow into things. So there's all these different dynamics in the relationships that God has allowed us to have. So how are we working with them? Are we putting work into these relationships? Are we making them work like God wants us to make them work? Are they bringing out what God wants brought out in these relationships? So I want to look here in Genesis again uh, and just identify how God put work into creation and into the relationship that he wanted with mankind and still wants with mankind and draw some things that we can go, oh, I can do that with my relationships as well. So I'll give you a few points this morning that hopefully just give you a bit of a help to say, hey, maybe I can work in that area of this relationship. And I guess my little caveat this morning is you might, we might get to the end of this this morning and you might be kind of a little bit overwhelmed with, man, there's so many things I might need to work on. Or there's so many relationships, where do I start? I'd just say, just ask for the wisdom with the Lord in where do I start with some of these things. I'm not, I'm not giving you all this this morning to say, hey, you just need to be level 10 all the time with all of these things. These are just some things that the Lord's impressed upon me and I know that I need to work on. So if you have a look in, in, in Genesis chapter 2, uh, I want you to notice this, that God developed an environment for an effective relationship. God developed an environment for an effective relationship. Because having the desire for a good relationship is one thing, but it usually requires some groundwork. It usually requires some, some work beforehand to make that relationship effective. And think about this. God set up all of creation for us. I mean, Brother Glenn only read a portion of the creation uh, narrative there from like day five, but God set up everything even before that all for us, all for you, all for me, all for mankind. He didn't just set up day six for us. It was everything before that was for us, for us to enjoy, for us to, to partake of, for us to learn from. He planned he designed, he organised, and he executed all down to very fine detail everything that we read and everything that we see. He did all of that in preparation for his relationship with mankind. Folks, that's really, really important but really, really exciting at the same time. That the Lord God who created everything did he thought about it, he planned it out, he, he did it perfectly how he could, all because he wanted a certain relationship with mankind. Now, I'm not saying you and I have the ability to do that, but we can draw from some things that he did in that to help us with our relationships. Because God did work. Now, 
My, my t- the title of my, rela- uh, my relationship is confusing. No, the title of my relationship... Uh, I see this, I just said it again. The title of my message this morning is Relationships Need Work. Relationships Need Work. Because I read this uh, creation account here and noticed that God actually took work to do this, to create everything. Like, we might think, oh, God's, you know, perfect, uh, he's all-powerful, he can do anything he wants and just, boop, it just appears. But he actually took work to do this. It wasn't effortless. Now, he wasn't straining and he didn't use that seventh day because he was tired from it. But look in verse 2 of chapter 2, Genesis 2, 2. It says this, And on the seventh day God ended his, what's the next word? Work, Work, which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. So God put in some work. God said, I want a certain relationship. I want this relationship with mankind, with you. So I'm going to put some work in to establish that. God made the effort to do things for us that we didn't see him do. None of us were there at creation, but we're actually beneficiaries of all those things that he did. And some of these things, or a lot of these things, we could certainly overlook the importance of. I mean, look, in, look back in Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse number 11. And 12, it says that let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind. And this is the part I want you to notice, whose seed is in itself. So the seeds being inside plants already, God thought about that beforehand. Why is that important? Because he did that for a reason. I think there's many reasons, but one of those reasons would be, I'm going to make this easier for mankind. They don't have to go searching, you know, like find a treasure map of where the seeds are to, to plant new, new plants or trees or anything like that. He prepared things beforehand so that it was a little bit easier for mankind. Like that's something that I don't really think about. Like God did that. It's like, you know, you have a plant, the seed's there, it falls in the ground and it can grow again. Like that's pretty good. That's thinking of another person, isn't it? That's thinking of, hey, how can I help somebody else? And that's just a small little thing. Uh, Genesis 1, look at that. Look, well, we don't, we're not going to read it, but from verse 14 to verse 19, it talks about let there be lights, the sun and the moon. They were, what were they there for? They were there for signs, for seasons, for days and years. God planned all this out. He's like, I want my, my creation, I want my, the people that I want to have a relationship with, I want to make it good for them. I want them to be able to have rest. I want them to have seasons and days and years and give them signs and different things. So he used the lights, he used the sun and the moon for that purpose. So we think, oh yeah, God created all this thing, that's amazing. But it actually all comes back down to what he wanted between him and mankind. Does that make sense? I know it's not something we think about every day, maybe not even every week, but it's good to reflect on these kinds of things because this shows God's heart. So if we're talking about relationships need work, then... That means we're going to have to show our heart to the people that God wants us to have relationships with. God didn't leave things to chance. Genesis 2 verse 16, he gave us the ability to choose. He gave us free will. That's pretty significant. That shows some, some trust, doesn't it? The ability for us to choose against God or for God. 
And take note of this, that God was, God was the one providing all of this. God didn't, God didn't put it all out there and say, well, I'm going to pay half and you guys cough up and pay the rest. God was giving of himself. So that's really the, the, the crux, the basis for everything I'm going to say this morning is that God was giving of himself to invest for a good relationship with us. We need to give of ourselves to invest with those that we have relationships with. And not just expect that, hey, what are they doing for me? What do I get out of it? Well, God said, God's showing us an example here. Now, I'm just going to give because I love. Because I love you and you and you and you. So he gave out of all this. So you might need to ask the question this morning, am I developing a good environment for my relationships? Because that's what God did in those days of creation. He was setting up an environment for a good relationship, for an effective relationship. So are you setting up a good environment for your relationships? And you might have this question this morning, well, how do I know which ones are the important ones? How do I know which ones God actually wants me to have? Maybe there's some that God doesn't want me to have. That's true. That's not my message this morning, but I would say again, ask for wisdom in that. Ask for God's discernment in that. But there definitely are relationships he has placed in your life that he wants you to focus on and he wants you to provide for. Ask him what those ones are. But let's have a look at a few things that the Lord has done that we can do ourselves in our relationships. So the first thing here is that God displayed the purpose of the relationship. The purpose of the relationship. Every relationship that God wants you to have has a purpose. Amen? He hasn't just given you relationships just for the fun of it. Just like, oh yeah, let's see what they do with their time, with their lifetime. Every relationship that he wants you to have has a purpose. The question is, do you know what that purpose is? And is your relationship reflecting what that purpose is? And I know across this room this morning, there are many different areas of relationships. There's, you know, from the young child up to the older person and everything in between. Try not to offend anyone here. So I guess what what I'm trying to say is there are purposes that God has for each of these individual relationships. We need to be aware of what they are. But God shows that he displayed his purpose of the relationship with mankind. He didn't leave it to be ambiguous He didn't leave mankind questioning, hey, what's this all about? Why am I here? And not give any answers. So think about being Adam for a moment. Because when I think of if I was Adam, it's pretty amazing what actually would have happened because God created him from the dust of the earth. And you you think about like a movie or something, the start, the documentary starts with... (laughs) God breathed into his nostrils and he became a living soul. And this world was already created around him, provided for him. I think he would have had some questions. I know that God didn't make him, you know, dumb, made him intelligent. And he would have had a conscience. He would have had an understanding and the level of, of, of things that God put there. But think about it. All of a sudden you're in this environment and it's like, What is this? 
who, are, who am I? What, what am I doing here? What's my purpose? And so God made it pretty clear to him what his purpose was. God, if, if you have a look... Uh, no, I'm jumping ahead of myself. He made it evident that he loved mankind and desired mankind to love him back. With all our heart, our mind and our might, and he let us choose to love him back. Because he gave us free will because he wanted us to love him genuinely. He didn't just choose what was the easiest or the most convenient way. See, God took Adam and placed him in the garden, placed him where he wanted him, gave him work, all these sorts of things, and he would have spoken to him. that Everything that God said to Adam was not recorded in the Bible. We understand that. So God would have made it pretty clear to him. If he told him that you shouldn't eat of this tree, eat of this fruit, I'm pretty sure he would have had conversations with him about who he was, about his care for him, about how this is all for you. Not just you, but mankind. He made it pretty clear what his purpose of that relationship was. So when we think about our relationships, do the people that we are involved with understand what our purpose is in our relationship with them? So if you're married, does your spouse know that you know what your purpose in that relationship is? If you're a child, do you know that your parents know that you understand I have a purpose in this relationship? Because that's really important. Otherwise, we just kind of go through life blindly, just, you know, trying to figure it all out and, like, let's just see what happens kind of thing. But God made it really clear what his purpose was, is to love mankind and that mankind has the ability, the choice, the free will to love back. Otherwise, he wouldn't have given us free will. So God didn't just choose what was easiest. Think about it. Creating us without a free will would have been pretty easy and convenient for God because if God was like, hey, I want things done this way, then he could have made us just to do things this way and never have a choice about it. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Like for us, that's, that's pretty alluring. Hey, if I could get those workers in my office to just do everything the way that I wanted them to do, that sounds pretty good. If I could get all the children in the household to just toe the line and do everything I want, that sounds pretty good. I'm sure if pastor could just get all of us to just do everything we're supposed to do, that sounds pretty good. It's pretty less messy, isn't it? It doesn't really you know, create rebellion or anything like that. There's no arguments. There's certainty that things get done the correct way, isn't there? So God had the choice of doing that, but he chose not to. Why? Because his purpose was that we would love him for who he is, that we would love him genuinely. So he said, I'm going to show my purpose, that it's to love me genuinely, and in doing that, I'm going to make it so that you understand that, I'm going to give you free will to to be able to do that. So he showed us his purpose. If he did just do things the easy way and just made us basically like robots, then the whole purpose thing falls by the wayside. So he could say, tick, yes, I got mankind to do everything that I wanted them to do and it's all nice and neat. But the purpose of us loving him for who he is genuinely, then that just falls by the wayside because we didn't have a choice. So our purpose in our relationship is really important, understanding that. And this can be a battle for us, for humans. 
because we like control. Put your hand up if you like to be in control, at least of something in your life, even if everything is out of control. We like to be in control. I like to be in control. Uh, We like control, but we often lack patience. Now, I used to work at the airport uh, at Red Rooster there, and it's actually in the, in the airport, in the domestic terminal, Virgin Terminal, it's actually the highest grossing Red Rooster in all of Australia. Obviously because there's so much traffic that goes through there and there's really not much else to eat. So Red Rooster there is the highest grossing one. So I used to work there for a number of years and before I started working here, and that was a jump. <laughs> and uh, one of my main jobs was preparing all the, I don't know if you've been to Red Rooster recently, but for years they've had a chicken roll. So basically, uh, you know, like a hot dog roll with mayonnaise, chicken in it, put it in a little bag, roll it up, that's it, chicken roll. Sound good? Everyone hungry? Okay, so one of my main jobs was preparing that. So I had to, uh, salt, uh, had to stuff the chickens with the stuffing, had to season the chickens, had to put them on the racks, make sure they go in the oven, get cooked, all that kind of stuff. When they come back out, I had to cool them down, I had to strip all the skin off the chicken. This is really interesting, isn't it? And then I had to break it all apart and I had to take all the, the chicken off, throw the bones away. And you know what? They just chuck the wings away. They don't even bother taking the, the chicken off the wings. So I used to take those wings home. Anyway. <laughs> um, so strip all the chicken off and that chicken is what you use to make the chicken roll. So a chicken roll should weigh 236 grams. It's still up here. So we had a, a, a machine, you know, a scale, weigh 236 grams. If it was out by like two grams, then you'd get in trouble pretty much. So they were pretty strict. So I was like the main guy, the prep guy. So, you know, five days a week, eight hours a day, that was my job. So when I wasn't doing that, they kind of stru- This isn't me going, I'm the best, but they didn't have a guy that could do it as quick as I could. Because to me, production line kind of stuff, that's what I thrive on. Like I love just doing the same thing day in, day out kind of thing. So when I wasn't there, it was like, ah... You know, we're struggling a little bit. So they would try and get me to, to train up some people. New people got a job there. It's like, hey, let's train them up on the prep stuff so we have another guy that can do this. So I would be in charge of training these guys. And honestly, we're talking about, you know, having things nice and neat and doing things the way that you want them done. That was the worst thing for me. Because putting a chicken roll together is very precise. It's an art form. So... <laughs> You laugh, but it is. If you saw me in action, you'd be like, that guy is a man. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like the way that you get the mayonnaise out from the, the tray and put it on the bun in like one scoop, that is an art form. And to be able to grab the right amount of grams of chicken to put on the roll without having to go back and forth, it saves time. And don't get me started. When you have to put that chicken roll into the little bag, so it's a bag like this long and this wide, you actually have to flutter it open a little bit. No, I'm being serious. If you don't, it's not going in. And then, you, and then you've got to hold the chicken roll at a certain point so that it doesn't bend or get snapped or anything like that and it just slides in correctly. So I'm training, teaching someone to do all these fine artwork manoeuvres and it's really frustrating because they're not doing it how I want them Done. And it's not, do, it's not doing it as quick as I want it done. And, you know, it's not as nice. There's mayonnaise on the bags and it's just, it's messy. So that's funny and stuff. But what's the purpose of my relationship with that person? 
It was to teach them. It was to train them. It was to make them feel comfortable that they, they were in an environment where they could make a mistake, learn, grow, develop in an area. Yeah, it's making chicken rolls, but hey, this is, this is what life is about, isn't it? Just little things like this all along the way, up to your spiritual things. So my purpose in my relationship with that trainee was that they should have had confidence that they could make a mistake and me not get frustrated and throw my hands in the air and, you know, go off at them because they had mayonnaise everywhere or whatever it is. They needed to feel safe and comforted and, and know that they could make mistakes and learn and grow and take some time. So if I don't remember my purpose in my relationship with that person, then I will just get frustrated and then they'll get annoyed and then it just won't work and then the boss isn't happy because they still don't have another person who can replace me. You see how it goes on? So that's just, that's, that's like a nothing thing. But when you have relationships in your life, which you do, you need to remember what the purpose is. Because God has done that. He, he knows in the forefront of his mind, my purpose is that I want to love and I want them to love me back. So I'm going to provide accordingly. I'm going to be patient and long-suffering when things don't go how I want them to go. Because God does want things to go a certain way. But because he has the, fo- the purpose in mind all the time, he can have patience. He can have long-suffering. He does show mercy. He does show grace. So are you the same? When things don't go your way, do you, do you remind yourself, oh, my purpose is to... What is that purpose? What is the purpose of your relationships? And if you're taking notes, then maybe just jot a few of these things down. But I'll put it to you that for the most part, the purpose in our relationships is to be Christ-like, is to show Christ-likeness, which then in turn glorifies God, which allows us to fulfil our purpose in being here. But for most of our relationships, Christ-likeness, glorifying God is the goal. And think about this. These are the different relationships. You know, I know there's more, but these are the different relationships I just jotted down. So a child to a parent. The Bible says this, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Well, if they do that effectively, they're showing how Christ was obedient to the Father. Obedience, obey. I mean, it's simple. Yes, it can be hard sometimes. What I'm saying is the purpose of a child in a family, one of them, the Bible says, is to obey their parents. So if they're aware of that purpose and they work accordingly, then they actually end up showing Christ-likeness. They actually end up showing, hey, Christ was obedient to the Father. This is Christ-likeness, and God's pleased with that. Easy, isn't it? Sometimes. What about the other way? A parent to a child. Well, the Bible says this, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Well, Christ nurtures us, doesn't he? He nurtures his children. He admonishes us. He helps us. He comforts us. So when we as parents do this for our children and to our children and our purpose is clear, then we're actually showing Christ-likeness. We're showing it to them. We're showing it to others around us. People see that. God's glorified. You see where I'm going with this? So every relationship, if your purpose is clear and you get it from the Bible, then it really end up, it just boils down to being Christ-like. I'll run you through a few more. Husbands and wives. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands 
as it is fit in the Lord. So we only know love and submission because of Christ. He loved, he submitted to the Father. When we display that, our purpose is clear and we're showing Christ-likeness in our relationships. Friend to friend, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his, his life for his friends. Sacrifice, isn't it? Jesus Christ, to me, is the ultimate example of sacrifice. So see how all this is giving out, but it's all clear in purpose. And then things work according to how God wants, and our, and our relationships be, become better. Church members, the Bible has much to say about this, but a few serve one another. Bear ye one another's burdens. This is a really easy one. Forgive one another. Yeah, right. But... Christ is our example of all of those things. He bears our burdens, doesn't he? He's the one that forgives us. So when we do that, we're showing Christ's likeness. Christian to non-Christian, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So if our purpose to reach the people at Carol's in the Park next week is to love them and show Christ-likeness to them, that's going to affect what we do. If our purpose is to please God, then that's going to affect what we do. That's going to help us say, hey, I need to have some good work so that they can glorify. Understand it. Having this purpose clear in your mind, in your heart, really solidifies what your relationship is going to be. And if you're doing it biblically, then Christ-likeness is a really good goal of your relationships a purpose for your relationships. Any good work stems from Christ. Purposeful relationships take work. Christ-likeness takes work. You know, I would be the first one to put my hand up and say, sometimes I would prefer to work a 40-plus hour week than to put work in showing Christ-likeness with some people. I don't know if you're the same, but sometimes that, that is a more appealing option it's like, yeah, I know how to do that. That's kind of easy. It kind of just, just flows. It just rolls off the tongue kind of thing. It just, that's just what I do week in, week out. I just take the work. But when it comes to showing Christ-likeness, it actually is work. It takes it out of you because it's coming from here. It's coming from a heart of submission, humility, patience, enduring, bearing burden. Like, that's work, guys. But it's necessary. Because we are not on this earth just to la-di-da our relationships around and see what happens. God actually has purposes for them. So we need to put the work in to get that result. And glorifying God is a really good motivator for doing that. I'm not saying it's always easy, but it's worth it. If you purpose to show Christ, then doing what's easiest should take a back seat. Should take a back seat. Ephesians 4 verse 2 says this about walking worthy. It says, Walk worthy with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Now, that's not easy to do, but that's the work that God's saying we need to put into our relationships. And I looked up those different words. You know, it says these these things we need to have, lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, and forbearing one another. You know, lowliness and meekness really have their root in the word humility. 
and long-suffering is patience, forbearing, enduring. So it ends up saying something like this. Walk worthy in your relationships with all humility and humility with patience, enduring one another in love. I don't know about you, but humility and humility and patience, endurance, that's an effort. With some people, it's a real big effort. But God's saying this is what's required to have a good relationship. You might have the foundations already there. You know your purpose, but you've still got to put the work in to get the result, to glorify God. Okay. So my next point is this, is this. God discerned the needs of those in the relationship. <clears throat> so God created mankind, created this earth, and he knew what was needed. He knew what mankind needed. He knew, he recognised what was not good for man and what was good for man. So he, he put the Lord, in, he put the, the man into the garden and he said, you know, dress it and keep it. He gave him his work. He knew that that was good for mankind. I mean, First Thessalonians, uh, uh, sorry, Second Thessalonians 3 says if a man doesn't work that he shouldn't eat. God knew that that was a good thing for mankind. So he's like, okay, that's something I'm going to do. I'm going to purpose to do that. Put him there and, and give him his work. Genesis 2.18 God made this statement that it wasn't good for man to be alone. So he knew what was good for man to work, but he also knew what wasn't good for man, that being alone is not necessarily a good thing. Now, I know he's talking about having a help meet there, but I think in general people need people. It's not good for people to be alone. So God understood the needs of the relationship. So do you understand the needs in the relationships that you have. You might be clear now or you might have already been clear on your purpose, well, it's to be Christ-like and it's to glorify God. But then when you go to do that work, do you understand what that person needs right now? Do you understand what's going to help them or what's going to help you show Christ-likeness, display Christ-likeness? Because there's needs that everyone has. And God made the necessary adjustments or additions to help what mankind needed. And we all understand the difference between wants and needs, don't we? (laughs) We have lots of wants, wants, but probably very few needs in this life. But when it comes to relationships and what I'm talking about this morning, I guess it's a little bit like this. We can say something like, I want everybody to appreciate me all the time. That's what I want. I want everyone to appreciate me for who I am and what I do all the time. But... The need really is, like when it boils down to it, the need is I just, I just feel like I need someone to appreciate me. So it's not really you have to have everyone appreciating you, but a base level for just a human person is that you just need to feel appreciated once in a while, every now and then. I don't know how many times a year is suffice, but sufficient, but you understand what I'm saying? We just have, we have needs as, as people, as emotional people, all these sorts of things. So I'm not talking about, when I say the needs of a relationship, I'm not talking about things that are life or death, like they need oxygen right now. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying that there's just human needs that we have in relationships. And these are the things that really help people, really bless people, encourage somebody in their relationship. So I want you to think for a moment. Some needs are really blatantly obvious, like I said, oxygen and stuff like that. But some in a relationship with those that you have are not so obvious and they really need some consideration. And what what I mean by this is, so Nicole, my wife, 
is worried about what I'm just about to say. <laughs> she, she, I can come home from work or whatever, or she can, you know, come home from whatever she's been doing, and she likes to talk. I don't, really. Like, I can kind of, like, just keep to myself kind of thing. But Nicole likes to talk, and that's good, that's fine. And so she will talk about a whole bunch of stuff, things that's going on in her head and things that have happened and all that kind of stuff. So I'm the kind of person where if she's talking about all this stuff, I'm listening, but I'm also going, has she asked me a question, do I need to respond? <laughs> do you understand what I mean? Because I'm happy to just sit there and, and, and listen. Now, I'm not ignoring her, but I'm, I'm listening to everything she's saying. But I'm like, if she's not asking me a question, then I don't really need to respond. Whereas she's the opposite. She's like, I've said all this stuff, where's your response? And I'm like, but you haven't asked me a question. You understand what I'm saying? So, so I can say she has a need that she just needs to be acknowledged. And that's fair enough. I mean, that's not a really big thing for me to give out, is it? Just to acknowledge what she said or, you know, respond somehow or just go, oh, yeah. But for someone like me, that actually takes a bit of work because I have to purpose to do it. It doesn't come naturally. I'm like... I'm happy just listening and I don't need to say anything. So I'm just saying there's needs like that in your life, in relationships in your life, that you just need to take a little bit of consideration and go, what do people really like? What do, what do they need right now? Because there are people in your life that are just like that, that just need you to respond, need you to show that you're actually listening, that you care. You know, you're on the phone, uh-huh, uh-huh, yep. There's someone in our family that you can sit on the phone for four hours and all you've got to do is go, yep, all right. <laughs> You know, you just have a recording and sit there. But some people, that's just what they need. And that is, in a way, it's, it's, it's helping them. Because you think about yourselves, you have like weird, strange little needs like that and you appreciate when they're met. Okay? What about the person you need to understand, the people in your life that can't go too long without some contact from you? It might be a friend, it might be a family member, but you need to consider, hey, that person, there's a, there's a relationship in my life that God's allowed and I have an influence there, I have a responsibility and I know that they're the kind of person that just needs a call every now and then or just needs me to send them a message or just drop by. Do you know who those people are in your life? Or do you know who they are and you're like, ah, oh, they're all right, they, they're probably just like me, they don't care if they don't get contacted. So I'm just saying, people have needs like this that we should be aware of. What about the person that spills out all their worries and concerns to you, not so you can fix it, but just so you can pray with them? There's people in your life like that. And you can be like, oh, I don't want to hear all their problems. They're always talking about this and this. But if you actually think about it, wait a minute, they're not actually asking me to fix it all. They just need someone to pray with. So are you making yourself available for those needs in a relationship? Because God identifies all this that we have. He knows what we're like. He remembers our frame. So do we understand this in the people that we have relationships with? Maybe there's a need in your relationships for you not to open your mouth. Maybe it's that they don't need to hear all of your different advice and, and things that you think should be done right now. They just need you to just sit there and listen and zip. Do you know who those people are in your life? Because these are all needs that we have because we have to understand people's capacity, understand their struggles and all these sorts of things. This is part of having an effective relationship. It takes work, doesn't it? 
I mean, you've got to remember all that stuff. And that's probably what you're thinking, like, what? I have to consider all these different things for all these different relationships in my life. Like, she likes that, and he doesn't like that, and he wants me to shut up, and I've got to remember all this? Well, think about it. You probably remember what someone's favourite colour is or what they do or don't like as far as food or different things that they like to do so that you can use that information then to give them a present that they appreciate. Like, everyone knows that I like purple. So, you know, Nathan, my uh, nephew, he went to Thailand and he goes, oh, I know that Uncle Andrew likes purple, so I'm going to buy him a purple tie. So... He didn't go, I've got to memorise everything every day about what Uncle Andrew likes and what Dad likes and what my sister likes and what my friends like. No, you just learn that stuff along the way and then you can use it to make somebody happy. Make sense? Well, should we not do the same thing with the needs of a relationship that someone has? Nicole needs me to, to respond when she talks to her. I need to remember that. Just like I know her favourite colour is red, I need to remember that stuff. You need to remember that that person needs to be contacted once a month. Sounds very, like, you know, clinical and stuff, but what I'm saying is if we can remember all these other relatively unimportant things, we need to make sure that we're considering these important things for our relationships. Does that make sense? Because it does make a difference. And then it shows Christ-likeness because we're actually considering somebody that's not us. So then our plant, our garden, you know, our, our garden bed of relationships... The one that's looking the best is probably not self so much anymore. It's other people. It's the ones that God has placed there. Now, it takes putting yourself in others' shoes for a moment. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14 says this, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. So to do those things, to warn people, to comfort people, to support people... You actually need to learn people. That's the work part of it. <laughs> You've got to learn your relationships. You've got to learn what people are like and what helps them and what hinders them. You've got to learn them. So this is where reminding yourself of the purpose of your relationships comes in. Because if you remember my purpose is to be Christ-like towards them, that I can, they can, other people can glorify God, then I'm going to remember that they need a call every now and then. Understand? I'm going to remember that they need me to listen to them. I'm going to remember that they need me to disclose my mouth every now and then because my purpose is clear in that I need to be Christ-like. I need to help them. Second last thing, we're nearly done. God, God did this. He dealt with problems in the relationship. That's work. That's effort. Because I know for me, when problems come up, I'm really inclined to go, ah, don't think about it. Just kind of shove it under the carpet. (laughs) Don't worry about it right now. But God didn't do that. He didn't turn a blind eye. He didn't shove things under the carpet. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, if you're there, just have a look. In verse, uh, from verse 1 to verse 7, it records the first major problem that arose in this relationship between God and man. And that's man's fall, man's disobedience. You know, they took of the fruit they weren't supposed to. And God didn't just go, ah, let's just leave that and see how bad it gets. He didn't turn a blind eye to problems because his purpose was clear 
this relationship. I want to love them and I want them to love me, so I need to do something about it. And I'm not talking, guys, about being policemen in people's lives. I'm just saying when it comes to it and you need to, need to deal with something, then the good thing is to deal with it effectively. So God didn't turn a blind eye. Genesis 3 verse 9, what does he say? So this is after Adam and Eve have eaten of the fruit, they're hiding, they're fearful. Verse number 9, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? So he made an effort to deal with this problem. He came to them and he's like, I'm going to, I want to find out what's going on, I'm going to deal with this. Even though he knew, he knows. But it's definitely easier to leave problems alone and hope they blow over, isn't it? than to work at it, sit down, have an uncomfortable conversation. I mean, that's all work. That's effort. But it's actually effort that is worth it. It's effort that produces results, that pleases God, that helps relationships. And you know what that means? It means you need to listen to others. You need to let them talk. You need to hear their side of the story. You need to do all these things that we don't naturally like doing. We need to reason with others and show patience. All of these things. And God didn't turn a blind eye, but he also didn't fly off the handle. He didn't abuse his power. So he dealt with problems effectively, but also compassionately. So this is really important for our relationships. And God shows us how to deal with problems effectively, but compassionately, with balance. Have a look quickly here. Genesis 3. Verse 14 to 19, I don't need to read the verses, but this is where he, he pronounces the curses. He says, okay, you've sinned, you've disobeyed, this is a problem I need to deal with. So he gives out, these are the curses. The serpent, you're going to go on your belly, dust you shall eat. You know, he gives the curses, you know, the ground's going to be cursed, woman, all these sorts of things. Verses 22 to 23, God took necessary action based on his purpose for the relationship. Remember, at the, at the crux of everything is the purpose of your relationships it makes you do things and not do things that you're supposed to do. So Genesis 3, verses 22 to 23, look what God did. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever... Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. He's saying, I really want people, mankind, to love me genuinely. And I don't want that to be wrecked, ruined. I don't want anything to get in the way of that. There's a problem here that needs to be dealt with. You guys disobeyed me. So I'm going to take action that is in line with my purpose of the relationship. Because if I leave them in the Garden of Eden in their state, in their disobedience state, in their choosing free will state, then they're probably going to take of the tree of life and then they're going to be like that forever and there's no redemption. So my purpose is for them to love me. I need to give them that opportunity. So I've got to deal with this problem and I'm going to take them out of the Garden of Eden. Does that make sense? So sometimes for our relationships to work better, we just need to deal with some problems effectively at the time that they happen and not just let them blow over and hope they blow over. So God did this purposefully because at the forefront of his mind was, I want to love and I want them to love me in return. So that was, that was his effectiveness, but he also did it compassionately. And look here in verse number 15, Genesis 3, verse 15, very familiar verse. This is what God says, 
to the serpent, he says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. He gave a promise here of the Messiah. He gave a promise here that, you know what, death and hell and destruction is all going to be put away with because there's a Messiah that's going to come and he's going to ruin Satan. So what am I saying? I'm saying that he dealt with this problem in the relationship here effectively by taking them out of the garden and all that, but he also gave some comfort while doing it. He had balance in it. He gave them comfort saying, you know what, it's bad now, but I'm putting things in place that it's actually going to be really good. It's going to be perfect. It's actually going to be better. So he gave them some comfort through this. And look in verse number 21. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. So even in his dealing with problems in relationships, he was loving them, providing for them, saying, you know what, yes, you've done wrong, but I'm not leaving you in that state. I make a sacrifice, give you coats of skins. I'm going to show you that I'm here, I'm with you longevity of this relationship. See how he's putting himself into it? He's not just saying, oh, well, you, you, you wrecked it, then you've got to fix it. He doesn't do that. So we can learn from this that we can be effective in dealing with problems in relationships but also compassionate at the same time. So he showed his investment in there. He showed his care to them. And lastly, very quickly, I know I've probably taken a long time, uh, God dedicated himself to work on this relationship. Like I said, he didn't just set and forget. We shouldn't just set and forget our relationships. He put dedication into it. And guess what, guys? He's still working on this relationship with mankind right now. So he said there in Genesis 3.15, you know, I'm basically promising a Messiah to come. Well, he's been working all through the Bible that we can see to mend this relationship or to allow restoration to happen between man and God. He sent Jesus, his son, to die And then after Jesus came, he sent the Holy Spirit to be our comforter and to guide us. And he also inspired and preserved this word that we can continue to understand him and and know him and all these sorts of things. See how he's continuing to work on this relationship? And then he places you in a church where the Bible's preached and people around you help you in your Christian walk, all these sorts of things. He's providing all of this because he's saying, my purpose is that I would love them and that they would choose to love me. So I'm going to keep working on this relationship. So have you written some relationships off that maybe you could pick back up again? Maybe you could put some more work into? Because I know that if I was honest, I'd say, yeah, I think I could actually put a bit more work into that relationship there. I could consider what they need a little bit more. I could give them a little bit more of my ear. I could close my mouth a few more times. I could show Christ-likeness in this area. You know... In Matthew 18, Peter came to Jesus and said, How oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? <laughs> and Jesus said, No, 70 times seven. Just keep working. Keep working at it. Why? Because Christ's likeness will be shown when you do that. When you forgive, you're showing Christ's likeness. So these are things that we can do in our relationships to please him, to build them up, to acknowledge that God has placed them here and to bring him glory. Simple things, sometimes they're really hard to do, depending on where we're at, but our dedication to work on our relationships should stem from the purpose of the relationship. 
So if you get nothing else this morning, ask yourself the question, what is the purpose of the relationships that I have? What's God's purpose for these relationships in my life? And then work from there. Listen to people. Show Christ-likeness. Seek to glorify God. You know, I've never been disappointed when Christ is revealed through my relationships with people. I've never gone, ah, oh, man, I didn't mean to show Christ-likeness. <laughs> I've never done that. And I'm sure you, you never have done that either. But when you realise that there was an opportunity missed, you go, ah, oh, man, I should have, should have listened a little bit more. I should have considered them a little bit more. I should have been more clear in my purpose with that person, with that unsaved person at work. Understand what I mean? So hopefully this is just a little bit of an encouragement for us to keep at it, keep working on our relationships, keep seeking to glorify God. All right, that's it for this morning. Why don't we have a word of prayer and then I'll just mention a few things for this next week. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you are good to us. Thank you that you are patient and long-suffering with us, Lord. Thank you, Father, that uh, we have your example of uh, how to deal with relationships, Lord, and I pray that you would guide each and every one of us today uh, in identifying our purpose of the ones you've given us. Help us, Lord, to seek to be Christ-like, and I pray that you would be pleased with all that we do in and through our relationships, Lord. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your help, and uh, we do pray that you continue to guide us for this week to come, and uh, we do pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well.